Hey, everybody, this is the Drop the Beat podcast. My name is Charles Larita. And my name is Will Sarver. And we want to thank you guys so much, as you do every week, for listening to us beat off. Um, I think we're having a lot of fun. Will, I believe, if my memory serves me correctly, this is our 10th episode. It is number 10. It, I had to think about it. I have it literally on a dry erase board next to my desk, so I knew I wasn't wrong because I was going to feel like an idiot if I was completely wrong. Um, but this is our 10th episode. We just, I, on, I, on behalf of our little duo, would just love to thank everyone for constantly um, beating off with us every single week. I think we're, we're doing pretty well with this guy. Um, I think we're having fun. We're getting great questions. I, we're loving having questions written in. Um, love it. Love it so much. But enough about that. For you people listening at home, you can't see it. But Will, who is my my partner on this wonderful show, he got these fucking fly-ass blue light glasses. And he looks so suave, and he pulls these off so wonderfully. And oh, I look like... You. I look unshaven hair pulled back with a beanie on i look like the unabomber over here and it's just like I, feel, <laughs> I feel i feel this just isn't isn't a fair trade you know it feels like we're plugging an ad for these glasses we are get yeah, your ben <laughs> no yeah but get them today get yours today yeah get your gl- that would be awful if you like because they're clear completely clear frames and clear everything it's like imagine dropping those and just like being completely screwed <laughs> like you just hear a crunch and it's like they're gone yeah they're gone uh, forever don't drop them in water either you'll never oh find my god them. they'll they'll be gone they'll just be gone you might not even be wearing them right now you might be lying to me i haven't really seen them that's true it's just a reflection yeah exactly i'm gonna be real with you i, don't, I haven't even seen them on your face i think you're lying um but how have you uh now we're in the you know the Xth week of quarantine. I don't even know what what week it is. Um, oh yeah, who knows? How, how have you have you been holding up over there? What you been what you been doing? What you got going on? You know what? We were just talking about this earlier, and it's uh, you know starting to do some a little bit more recording and Good. whipping out the As cameras. You, sure? you know, yeah. a little bit of film. I really mm-hmm. miss it. And now we have you know all the time in the world these days, but it's it's actually been kind of nice. I've been playing a ton so have um, i it's really nice like just going out throughout the day just like whenever just sitting down and playing for an hour go do something else come back do it again oh it's, that's um, perfect i mean we 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 need that kind of a thing for the artsy fartsy types that kind of keep going i think we need that kind of solace you know yeah um, how are you how are I'm you all, i'm all right i suppose um I've been getting all antsy and itchy to start doing video stuff and recording stuff again, too. So I think we'll be doing something like that within the week. At least I'd like to, um, you know, just I miss everybody. You know, I, I, I was I was as we were saying earlier off off record. It's like, man, if we were stuck together, we happened to be quarantined. We'd have a billion things recorded and filmed by now. Like it would just it'd be, be just, dangerous setup. Yep. Oh, my God. It'd be it would be perfect. It's like one of those horrible um, kind of ultimatums you, you read about online where it's like you know you're stuck in quarantine for x amount of weeks but you can't record anything and it's like that's the ultimatum <laughs> like you know right. we're, just kinda, <laughs> we're stuck um but well we actually have a question uh someone wrote in this week as much as i'd like to talk about just me missing you and your suave ass glasses um we actually someone did yeah, write in with a topic oh 
Oh, well, let's hear it. Let's hear what they got to say. Well, before we get that, here's a little commercial advertisement for our show. If you would like to write in um, a topic for us to answer on the show in a long kind of format thing, go to www.charlesloreta.com slash contact, and you can write in a little form box where you your name, where you're from, and your question, because we're loving getting um, so many of these questions just from other you know, other kind of places around the country and hopefully soon internationally. We didn't have any Ooh, international. I can't wait. No, not yet. Did. I'm waiting. waiting. Um, but I think this might be one of the farther ones that we've had, um, which is great. But I digress for the time being. Um, if we do pick your question that you write in, we will send you a free Charles Lorita and the Mischief shirt. It's going to be great. So now you don't have to be naked out in public. Um indecently exposing yourself among the masses. So it'll be pretty good. Um, but the question today is from Melanie. She writes in from Houston, Texas. Ooh, Texas. That would be the Lone Star State. I just heard everything's bigger in Texas. That's what they tell me. Boy, howdy, do I need to get their ASAP because I'm having some personal problems. Anyway, Melanie it's writes a cold in... Basement. <laughs> It's of such. It's so cold here, um, in the ninety-six degree heat outside. <laughs> yeah, the heat wave. <laughs> um, so Melanie writes in and she says, "Due to the pandemic, I've been stuck in quarantine for so long without seeing my bandmates." Oh man, girl, preach. Um, I'm looking uh. to get it. <laughs> I'm looking to get into the art of home recording and saw that you guys have your own home studio. That is accurate. Do you have any tips for someone like me who wants to get into recording at home? Hmm. Because I I like that. I was gonna say I'm sitting in the band's little home studio at the moment, the Rat Cave right now, um, which everyone sees anything from the band's Instagram page, which you should follow the band Charles Reed and the Mischief on Instagram. Um, you should, or else anything. It's always the location is the Rat Cave, and that's where we are right now. And this was a home studio, which was an amalgamation of a couple little studio things you and I have done, which we had to make out of you know, desperation. Necessity. That's a good one. I like that better. Yeah. It sounds more positive. Uh -huh. We won't get too much into that, but I guess we should start at square one um, with that kind of thing. Yeah, you but never know who's Melanie, listening, right? That's true, funny guy. No one yeah. ever knows who's listening. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Anyway, so <laughs> Melanie sounds like she's starting from square one, which is great. So we can kind of run through this thing. It's like, what do you do? Now, granted, a lot of people do home recording stuff. People will just have a laptop and that's it. And, you know, you can be simple and you can do whatever. And that's obviously one way to do it. And obviously the way that we're going to talk about aren't going to be gospel. But, you know, there are there's always going to be different ways to do anything that we talk about on the show, um, except how Will wears his glasses because he wears them fine as hell and no one else can do that. But yeah, that's right. Let's, so she's starting from square run, one. So we when we started our little home studio originally which I don't know if we even had a name for it, what we called it. I guess it was the Mischief Sound Lab or whichever we kind of yeah, we kind of said. Sound Lab but, or something. But yes, that was out of um, incredible necessity at the time, and everything about that was a learning experience. We went from, when I say we, it's kind of the royal we. It was the band. We went from recording in a studio um, for an album, our Interstellar Fortune Teller album that we were working on, and we basically ran out of money, so we had to leave uh, the studio, and we had to basically make our own home studio to finish this record, which was 
scary because, you know, it's such a gamble. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I know, you, Will, you did a ton of research on the whole studio idea <laughs> and everything like that and just how to get into it where we were kind of pulling our hair out. But, I mean, reflecting back on that, you know, how did you how did you feel about having to literally just jump in the deepest deep end you could have? Sometimes I think that's the way to do it. Uh, you know, we really didn't have have an option. We didn't have an option. And I know you've had, uh, some experience and knowledge in, in recording and I, I dabbled in it. So, I mean, we didn't come from nothing, but, um, as far as like gear and stuff went that, that was a whole nother ball game. But yeah, just uh, the researching with everything of what does what, and we had no idea a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I was I was always the editing guy, and I was always the actual recording guy. I was never the hardware guy. I'm not a gearhead by any means, so that was like so new for me, and like all and, that stuff. That's you know, I was oh, yeah. like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and it's extremely overwhelming, uh, not only in your selection, but it's like everybody and their brother makes the same thing. So yep, it's yep. like, well, what do you, what do you go with? And, you know, with, I think I'll, I'll, with a, with a lot of it and gear and things like that, it's, it's people like to put a price on it and they're going to tell you that you need, uh, unlimited funds uh, to, to make something like this happen. And I think you and I are living proof that that's not the case because we I didn't have money. Agree. You know, we didn't, we didn't have money and we bought a lot of the stuff used, um, shout out to eBay, you know, eBay, eBay, um, my boy and, you know, pieced it together and we, we were able to come out with some really great recordings. I think, I think there's still some of my favorite. Uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Personally, my, one of my favorite ones that we've done was the Pokemon video. That was the first ever track we recorded in this new maiden studio, voyage baby still my favorite one i don't know that why was, but yeah. it just sounded so good but well, i mean because i think you and i how we did a lot of our recording and mixing we really kind of captured a very warm analog kind of sound and i think we had always gone for that even though we're not on tape yeah. um i think that's really what we were we were going for i mean we had that was the biggest cherry to ever pop where it's just like you dive in and it's like here it is balls and all <laughs> and that's literally yeah. what it was right figure it out yeah i mean you know you obviously made a great point and we talk about this all the time where it's the money doesn't make the recordings you buying a three thousand dollar microphone is not going to make you record well it's going to put a nice yeah. dip in your wallet but it's not necessarily going to give you a good recording and that was i think one of the biggest things when we started you know, we're looking at all these studios getting ideas and people make three, four thousand dollar just crazy mics and we don't have that kind of a budget. My car didn't even cost that much. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean you know, so it's like we put that piece it was a piecemeal studio on like a soup kitchen budget. Like that's what we had to do. We had to yeah. and that's like that's always my favorite thing and it's that kind of Walt Disney mentality that I always try to keep in my back pocket where it's like there's always a way to do this. And it doesn't have to be expensive. There's always a way. You never throw an idea out. There's always a way to make it work or make it happen. And you don't need money to do it. Always a way. So I remember you and I researching microphones and we were coming across, you know, 
a lot of people talking about and dissecting them and, and, and kind of doing compare and contrast stuff like they do on YouTube all the time. And you and I kind of came to the idea where it's like, well, a microphone is just a clean signal. That's all you literally need is a clean signal. That's yeah, it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be a billion dollars because you're putting everything on it in post. So, I mean, I had like that I brought and I had two of my old, you know, mics. I had the Pepsi can mic that we still talk about. Or I had the USB mic. You know, they were the more expensive. The yeah. Tascam mic, yeah. That Pepsi can mic was just a random eBay purchase. That was a $20 mic. And that's in the Pokemon gym. Josh Josh Lee, the Barry Sachs player on that track, did his solo into that mic. I think everybody yeah. soloed into that mic. Um, and it was awesome. And that, like, that was, a che- that was a cheap ass mic. You know, the mics that we used on the kit and I still use on the kit in the Rat Cave, they were $10. Dude, I see them, yeah. Yeah, $10 micro. Oh, you see them in the background on my skin. Yeah, um, I see them in the background, they, yeah. They were $10 microphones. They're a clone of the SM57. I mean, the thing people need to realize is microphone technology like that has been around for literally 70 80 years at this point it's been around a long damn time yep. so for someone to make it and replicate it it's just going to get cheaper over time and it's a clean signal that is all you need so i would say number one big thing with starting is don't worry about the cost because really you're putting stuff on top you're putting your reverbs and your eq and all that stuff you just have to have a good clean signal a four thousand dollar mic is not going to do anything because a lot of people when they do studio stuff they think they have to get the top-notch stuff to make good recordings and that is not necessarily true i mean the thing i always i have always always say i relate to art because it's always art and it's you know you don't have to be a good artist and have a giant palette of paints. If I gave you, you know, a box of four crowns that they give you while you're waiting for your table at Applebee's, you should be able to make me a nice picture. You know, it's just yeah, all how point. you use it. Thank you, because I still to this day, whenever I go to like Chili's or Applebee's, I always take a box of crowns and I draw on the menu because I'm five. Well, you have to, and then you get the chicken finger platter. That was like, oh, dude, the best was was Chili's had the four pack of crowns and they had. The colors they had, it was just red, green, blue, and yellow, but they all had cool names. So it was like blue was, it was cerulean, yellow was mac and cheese, um, green was, I think it was just forest green or evergreen or something cool. I don't remember what red was. If anyone knows what red is, we'll send you a free CD if you can tell me what the Chili's crown red was, because I really want to know that. Um, so leave <laughs> Specifically a comment from down Chili's. Below. I just want to know. I forget. I have it probably in a box, and I just, I don't remember. It was something cool. Anyway not important but those you know that was such a huge deal for us it was getting something where it's like we don't have to break the bank we bought a set of drum mics or a set of mics for the drums and it was like what forty dollars like it was nothing you know fifty dollars we spent or whatever. yeah it was really really reasonable and it's you know you just gotta you gotta work with what you got you know even you can only e- afford so yeah. much then that's totally fine You're, it's gonna work trust me i mean even the vocal mics we use I use MXL stuff. I, I am in love, love with MXL. MXL mics. There, I just bought that purple one that I have, and um, the mic was a $45 microphone. And it's like, it's fabulous. It's such a damn good mic. And it's just, I don't know, it's just a testament to the ingenuity of, of just studio knowledge where it's you don't have to have good stuff. You know, some people will be like, oh, you got to get the, the official, you know, whatever mixing desk. And it's like, you don't. Right. You really yeah. don't. My desk is literally right now in the rat cave, and it's, it was a desk of my own design. It's two small $14 desks from Walmart. They're like these little just straight desks, and then I put a big slab of wood across it and covered it. That's what my desk Mainstay. is. Mainstay. 
Yeah, it's that mainstay, baby, and it's it's what I needed though. It's what it worked for me. I didn't want to get you know the the crazy whatever stuff. Um, thinking I've spent eighteen billion dollars for just whatever. Um, I mean, for God's sake, you remember our soundproofing panels in the original studio oh, at your house? That got that got crafty. That was awesome. Um, was what was that? Yeah, was that like cardboard backing? Yeah, what? I got. So it was, I had gotten from the Dollar Tree, um, which is our local East Coast dollar store for anyone listening, um, unless it's out there too, but we, uh, it was just the, the foam boards. It was just the regular foam boards. Yeah. Bought a bunch of them. We cut them into two by two squares. Um, my girlfriend works for Apple and should they throw out every day there, um, a lot of the egg crate foam which is usually expensive to get. And she asked me if I wanted it and her boss okayed it. And she brought me tons of it home. And I remember just us in your like garage doing the spray adhesive and putting on and making these yep. big panels. We, we made like 10, we made a whole lot of them, putting them all over the room just to kind of have some stuff to bounce off of. Um, which I believe that day was very infamous because that was the horseradish day, which will forever live on in infamy in my, <laughs> in my life. So just a, just a quick little nice anecdotal story here. Um, there is the sax player named Candy Dolfer. She's fabulous. She's very easy on yes. the eyes. She has a keyboard player who also is her hype man, and he very, very loudly exclaims, put some hot sauce on it when, when, you know, when they're kicking up the heat a little bit, William. Um, That's which my said, favorite. Which we have said time and time again. That comes back to reference in this story. So we're making these soundproofing panels in his garage, and we get hungry, so we go to Wawa for lunch. And Wawa is the very East Coast convenience store. It's so much better than any of your other convenience stores. Um, it That's is not right. as good as it's not as good as Sheets. Sheets sucks. Um, it's not as good as Cumberland Farms. That's not Ooh. great either. It's what about Royal Farms? Oh, it's okay. The but fried it's like, chicken's not bad. No, no, it's not bad. It's not bad. Sheets. They yeah. just mess my order. Up I mean, every you're, time. you're you're dancing with the devil here with all these. Yeah. Convenience yeah. stores. <laughs> Dude, I'm just saying. And it's like, or, or like um, like any of those, any of those, or like 7-Eleven or one of those. Wawa is the absolute best. I'm. Yes, it just, is. It is, seriously. Like, I've gone to so many of the convenience stores in other states, and they just do not hold up. Wawa is a religious experience. You can come and fight me. I will put my address in the description of this video. Um, anyway, so we went to the <laughs> Wawa, and on this, I got really violent. I'm sorry. Um, I'm very patriotic, man. You know. Yeah. I mean, as a former employee, I have to agree with you. It is yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Great place to work for, by the way. There you go. There you go. And a Wawa is a is a slang term for a Canadian goose. If ever anyone was wondering, so those bastards. Yeah, it's even more confusing. The, <laughs> yeah. So those bastards that stand in the um, you know, the parking lot of the movie theater and shit everywhere with their babies. That's the mascot of this wonderful, yep. <laughs> wonderful convenience store chain. Um. But they have a touch screen and you can, uh, you can, you know, pick food off of it and anything. Kind of like quick check, but not dumb. So I'm just out for all of these convenience <laughs> chains at the moment. Wawa paid us a small fortune for this ad. I was going to say. Anyway, continue. Dude, Wawa's a Philly thing. You got to go with it at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, so they had touch screens and they had mac and cheese and their mac and cheese really good, but they debuted on this day. It was called mac and cheese flavors. And you could go and they would put like garlic sauce in it or chipotle or buffalo or horseradish 
And we're looking at these and we're like, oh, that sounds awesome. And I said to Will, I'm like, which one do I get? And he was like, dude, go with the horseradish. I'm like, that's a great idea. So I got a medium, which is pretty damn big for Wawa mac and cheese. You know, it's, it's, it's big. Um, and normally what they're supposed to do is like mix the sauce in. But this guy really threw off his horseradish to noodle ratio. And he just like, <laughs> like this horse, like that's what it sounds like. Cause it's like, it's not a viscous material. Like it's very like, you know. It's a heavy sauce. He puts oh, yeah. so much on my mac and cheese. I take, we get to your house and I take the lid off and it just was like the episode of SpongeBob where he has the bad breath and you just like see it <laughs> in the person's face. Like that's what happened with this horse. Ride. I remember I oh, took that yes. lid off and I was like, I was like, holy shit. And you're like, your eyes were bad. watery. Yeah. yeah. And, you're, and you're like, how bad could it be? And I held up to your face and you, you like gagged and I'm like trying to eat this and I physically could not eat the damn thing. It was just ridiculous. Um, I ate like half of it and then I got it after that. And once they finally learned how to mix it and not give me the entire <laughs> ration that the store has it was it was great but um from that day when we were playing live we wouldn't say put some hot sauce on it we'd say put some horseradish on it which i think is not as good as the hot sauce but um i just felt like everyone yeah no no i don't don't i mean it's spicy it's but it's also stanky but it's like horseradish stuff is great you know um so if you're still there and, and yeah i would say so if you're still there and you have an x'd out of this video or um or podcast yet thank you for listening to that story uh reminiscing so what we got is you want you know you don't have to get expensive microphones um you got to go to wawa and get horseradish mac and cheese that's the two steps we have so far i think and that's it we'll take care everybody and uh we'll see yeah have a good evening guys thanks (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so we were literally making soundproofing panels out of nothing we had free foam and one dollar foam boards and, you know, we got like, you know, one and a half out of every, every one of those foam boards we bought. I mean, we literally, it was such a budget economy studio, but we had to, that's all we had. And we yeah. had, we were on a timeline too. Like we, we had a del- like a deadline, like we had to get this done. Like we already spent way more than necessary time originally. So now when we were handed the project, to, to finish working on it's like we really had to boogie you know um but it was i think the not just the soundproofing panels but the layout of the room was very very important and that was a thing too it wasn't a big room but we still made it work no. great and you can see that in some of our original videos you can see that original room um on some of the early mischief studio series videos that we had done um where it was a lot of the video game music we did where it was like the pokemon gym and um, this uh, Lost Woods, sorry, song like that one, um, they were a blast. Like I loved that little room. Like that room was awesome. Yeah, yeah we made it. We began. made it. You know, we made it work. You, we you don't have to have a big giant space to make good good recordings. I mean, yeah, we were a little right. cramped, but you know, we I think we did a damn good job in that room. What we were dealt with. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, that was, and that was great. That was your suggestion to start doing it in there. And I, we were, that saved us. Like that literally saved us. And that's what got us where we are today with recording and things like that. Cause now it's, I look at, you know, the videos we're doing and recordings in the rat cave. And I'm so proud of the work that we do on that stuff. You know, those recordings and we're not using expensive gear. Like we, it's still a lot of the same gear, you know? Yeah. Which is which is great, you know, and and so many people think that it's got to be like this big expensive to do, and it's like it really doesn't, it really really doesn't. Yeah, and it 
I think, to be honest, it, a lot of it comes down to the to the player. Oh, um, a thousand percent. It, yeah, I think we're also just blessed with very good players too. You know. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Toot my own horn here. No. Um, <laughs> it, it's I. I think some people don't realize if you don't start out with a good product, mm. you can with all the post production post Malone in the world um can't save it you can't save it and no. we've learned that yes from we have past experiences of um people's ignorance and uh, <laughs> where if it if you know if the part- i'm sorry i love how you grabbed your glasses and adjusted them that was when you <laughs> past ignorances that was beautiful oh my god i tried is- no it was beautiful it, thank you yeah uh so you know, it's, we spend, I think we spend a lot of time when we record, like setting up our stuff. Um, oh know, yeah. Making sure, you know, drums, it's another animal, but make sure the drums and the guitar and bass and whatever sounds good from the start because yep. it's, you're not going to fix it in post. So, you know, we spend a lot of time tuning, dampening, setting things up, you know, make sure that the mic placement is good. Um, you know, test it out a few times, do some playback, make sure it sounds good, and then hit record. You know, there's a lot of prep work involved. Um, oh, yeah, and a ton, a ton. I, and that just shows you, like, how much the equipment really doesn't matter. It's, you know, we bought, like we said, really cheap stuff, used stuff. Um, it's I think what saved us is the fact that we took the extra time to to like set up the room, set up yeah. the drums, tune the drums, make sure everybody, you know, sounded good before we hit record. I don't know. What I do mean, you think? yeah. I mean, if my memory serves me correctly, which it always does because I'm a perfect specimen of a human being. Um, when <laughs> you and I, <laughs> when you and I started getting together originally, we would do like six or seven hours of work in the studio, just setting stuff up, just miking oh, yeah. stuff. They're putting mics on the drums in proper placements and EQing everything and EQing all the drums and tuning everything and just making sure. Because that's a, that's a beast of a, of a instrument, you know? And it's we the worst make instrument. Sure. I don't know why I chose it. Like, I remember us having issues where it's like we were getting radio interference through one of the cables. <laughs> like, that was yeah. freaking, of course, it's like this Spanish radio station coming in and we're getting it through one of the cables, which was weird. Um, we've, we would have, every time something started, we would have a problem. And it'll be like, ah, oh, what's that shit? What's going on today? Like, what is what's gonna break? What's gonna catch on fire? Um, yeah. And that was such a such a big, you know, part of it of us working through those problems. So now we got to the point where just you turn it on and you go. I mean, we still have issues here and there, um, but I think just that we take the extra time to really make sure you have all the foundation stuff really steady. I mean, that's just it's so important, you know. And then on top of that is obviously having good players who are prepared and not coming in and you know learning the the part on the spot or anything like that, you know. Mm, yeah. I mean, you you and I have have worked with people like that and it's not great um and obviously because that point if they're not they don't know their part they're not playing as confidently and that really impacts the recording and you're not going to get any any really good stuff out of it but i mean when we were doing the um the interstellar fortune teller album you know you and myself and our bassist we were locked in when we came we were knocking tracks out and then we you know put the horns had put the horns on afterwards um just because you know the studio at the time we were in and, and everything like that 
we couldn't really accommodate everybody all in one shot, but I'm happy that we did it broken down like that because we had more control over the mix. But I remember going home and listening to, you know, those or anything that we do where it's like, this sounds good without any EQing or any mixing or any panning. It has to sound good. It's like the thing I always say with any of my buddies who are into uh, film or into photography. It's got to look good in the camera, you know, and that's like there was a photographer that we had worked with um, and he thought you could just fix everything in post, that you could take dirty photos and grainy photos and dark photos and not adjust your camera or not understand or not essentially, you know, play to your audience being, you know, your camera's not working with your atmosphere. And it's like, you should be able to make something look good on a disposable camera. I remember getting to the spots I wanted to shoot and I was taking the photos on my phone and they looked awesome. Like I was very proud of how those shots looked. And you can't rely on a program to fix everything. It's got to look good in there. That's just for a fine tune. It's like a violin. You have the main tuners at the top and the fine tuners at the bridge. You're doing all of your tuning down at the headstock and you're just tightening it up down at the bridge. Like that's how it has to be. You can't rely on a program to fix all of your mistakes. And we've dealt with that with individuals in the studio and it is the worst absolute thing. And it's so frustrating. Oh yeah. Especially you're the editing master, but it's a wasted time. You know, oh my about, God! Yeah, like you mentioned, people coming in not prepared, and you know what? You're in for a long haul. You're gonna have a lot of editing to do, chopping mm-hmm. it up, trying to yeah. blend it, splicing the tracks, and then you know what? At that point, it doesn't even sound real. It's not even no. the same part anymore. You just yeah, wasted all guys that come time. In and having to tune notes while you're editing it, or having and I, I don't, I do not like to tune things in post. I think that's cheating. You know, it should be good just right there. It should be good, you know, yeah. in the mix. I mean, obviously here and there, like everyone's guilty of having a perfect track and then just one missed note or one flub note. And it's like, well, okay, you can go and you can patch it in. That's fine. Um, but, you know, it should be the best you can possibly do with the recording. Now, granted, there's a lot of things people do. Like when I record on my own, if I'm doing like two guitar parts and a bass part and a percussion part, and a, you know, keyboard part, I'm obviously not doing that all at the same time. So I have to go back in and do it every time but still it's good to know what you're doing so you play confidently and you get a good recording out of it you just got to know your shit because it's got to be right off the mic or right off the you know right into the computer or right into the interface it's got to be a solid take and it's just gonna make your work so much easier um because like yeah. yeah you and i have gone through hell and you know gone to hell and back with some of the stuff we've had to work on and fix from other people's doing yeah and it's, not it fun. is not fun absolutely not fun rebuilding you know everything things like that (laughs) yeah it's not it's 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 really not great um i i do have to give for those you guys listening i have to give will huge huge props because when we record you know a lot of the studio series stuff we're not all in the same room um and that's kind of one of the things that's interesting with when you see a lot of people record online a lot of the live settings aren't necessarily live you know, they're, they're coming in on different days. Like we have a lot of times our guys' schedules can't all match up and they're coming in different days and things like that, um, you know, to, to record. So Will is the first guy to record his part, which <laughs> is super, super impressive because he's either playing to just a click track with bass that I've already put down or I'm playing bass with him as he's recording. Regardless, it's impressive because it's just... You know, he's literally the first guy to put his part down. So what we'll normally do is, because we were filming his part while we were recording it, um, so we'll put the camera, 
We'll start filming. I'll play bass along with him. So it's literally just bass and drums. I'm not singing or anything. We have it charted out for what what it's going to be. And then I'll go back in and I'll redo my bass part to make sure it's solid like that. But dude, you're like you're you're ground zero on this on these things. And people don't realize how tough of a job that is because it's not like you're playing with a full fleshed out track. You're just playing with bass. Or sometimes just a click in bass, or just just a click, and it's like for you to give yeah. it life and have feeling. That's like holy shit, man. That's like, I mean, what is even going through your head when I say, "Hey, come to the Rat Cave, and we're gonna do uh, this kind of song, and this is how we're gonna record it." Good luck, bud. I mean, yeah. Usually, I'll be like, you know what? I'm busy for the next year. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you you you've got to have either like a dartboard with my face on it or a voodoo doll or something at the moment. Like you have oh, you yeah. can't not, Well, I can't. You know? I can't share that with you. It would ruin it. Um, <laughs> but you know what? It's it, it's a, I like the challenge. Um and you know what? I also like that um you know, doing it so early and just hearing just the bass part or whatever it is. And then Mm -hmm. when I listen back to it, you know, a couple weeks later when you've added everybody, it is really cool to hear the, the, how like the song evolves from kind of ground zero and yeah, cause you're hearing the the bare bones. Yeah. And kind of see how my part fits in. Um, and like sometimes like I'll hear the track a couple weeks after I've, you know, laid the drums down and it like my mind is blown because it's not at all what I expected because you know, you don't, I'm not hearing the horn charts you have played out the guitar part, the vocal. I don't, I don't hear any of that. I I get a bass or, you know, you're humming me apart or something and you know, um, but it's a challenge and I like it. Um, and I mean, for me, how I approach it is it's, you know, I try to do the best that I can always, but more so at that moment in time because I'm laying down the foundation for the rest of the song. So if my part's not solid and if I'm not there to give, you know, life to it or, or, you know, if there's horn parts or other riffs that I got to set up, um, or, you know, hit with the band, I got to make sure that's there because you know what the guys after me, I'll have to record. And if the drum part's not right, well, it's not going to come out right. So, I like it, but it can be intimidating sometimes, but it's, yeah. you know, you're nice enough to give me a lot of artistic freedom, which is well, really... definitely. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's one thing to write the song, but I don't want to hear it like me. I want to hear it like you. So that's the most important well, thing. Well, I don't want to hear it like me. Whoa. You know, but... <laughs> um, I don't want to yeah, hear it at all. No, I, I hate hearing myself play, <laughs> but... uh it's um you know it's all about you know just getting your feet wet you know i didn't you know this is not really something you can learn uh not so it's just by doing it it's just by doing it and and recording is the same way you kind of just got you can take a class sure but you know all the softwares are so different there's so many different softwares you know we use you know pro you know personas mostly for all of our stuff um, yeah and yeah. i love their software it's very user friendly. that sounds like a product plug there william yeah it is you know get yours today I, I guess their check is just you know held up in the mail somewhere lost. yeah mail yeah, it's been lost tough, man. yeah uh 
But you know what? We didn't take a course on the program. We just learned by messing around in it. And, you know, the beauty of YouTube, you can find anything on there. Oh, my God. It's fabulous. Fabulous. So we were um, always on YouTube so, trying to figure out stuff. Yeah. And I mean, it's seeing tutorials and just learning and learning by doing is so important. And now kind of bouncing, you know, to the idea of the software, like you were saying, or anything like that, um, how we do this podcast right now is you're recording your part only and I'm recording my part only and then we yeah. can pile them together. So for Melanie, who's looking to record at home during a quarantine, that's essentially what she's she's going to be doing. She's going to get, you know, you're, you're going to be getting these individual parts where it's going to be like, oh, it's just, in a, it's just a guitar or, oh, it's just percussion. You have to line them up and make them all work because, right. you know, me and Will are going through Skype right now, and it's there's a delay. Like I'm teaching online lessons through Skype. I can't play along with any of my students because there's such a delay, and it's yeah. just such a pain uh, for for all of this kind of stuff. It really sucks. I there's no way to get around it though, and I wish there was, but it just you know it it's just it's so awful. <laughs> like I wish they had a, like a music program like that, so it's actually no tape delay, so you could play along with each other, but. You know, we don't have that kind of a thing. We're not that blessed with this kind of crap. But, you know, so that's one thing important to keep in mind when you're doing this. Um, you have to have solid performances and solid recordings because you're going to be putting them together and you're probably not going to have another shot to do it. So it's like yeah. you really, really need to be able to, you know, make sure everyone's on their game and they know what they're doing and, you know, just, just be able to line everything up. And that's like if we had the proper um, space to have all the all five horns in one shot and everything like that you know it would be it would be perfect but for right now it's we kind of have to piecemeal some things here and there i mean we could totally fit all five horns down here that would not be a problem right um it would just um, it would just be a ton of a ton of work because the problem is the more people you have in one shot you have such a high margin of error for recording and bleeding and things like that and or if someone accidentally flubs being myself because i would make a mistake um you know then it's like okay now whose microphones pick this up or what happened and you know like a lot of videos you see online of, of bands doing live stuff you know usually there are things that are redubbed in it's not entirely live it's just it's implausible for the sound quality and things like that um i don't know will if you've seen stuff like that before or, or, you know, the idea of just having the one big solid group. I mean, if you're having the big, big, big solid group like that, obviously everyone's schedules have to line up, and that's the one problem that we have. We have so <laughs> many people knowing schedules line up. Because um, I know our guys could most definitely, definitely do it. Um, but just being able to accommodate your players in the studio, I think, is a very important thing, too. Not just, you know, the tech side of it, but it's actually the accommodation side of it, too. Yeah, and we were just talking about the, you know, the these videos you see on YouTube all the time of, you know, people playing, trying to record live t all together in one setting. Um, yep. It's extremely, you know, um, popular, you know, especially now because with quarantine, you know, everybody, you know, there's no gigging. So it's like, you know, kind of got to do it from yep. home. Um, and that's totally cool. Um, but yeah, we, we, we do, I, I, yeah. we question sometimes whether, it's all really done in one take with such a large group. Um, and it's hard to say because, I mean, we're getting some really great recordings. Like, it's they sound flawless. And I, I yeah, truly definitely. wonder if some of it is, um, you know, overdubbed. Um, and for those that don't know what overdub is, it's, you know, 
it's not doing it live you're going back and you know either doing a new track or redoing a track um but the crazy thing about this industry and and the fact that it's still art is that i know grammy award-winning multi-grammy award-winning producers recording engineers that actually record albums with guitars drums bass all in the same room with the amps going and you would never know the difference so that's very very you're welcome that makes this even more annoying frustrating (laughs) yeah Uh, seriously um, because i mean i don't know what do you think about that well yeah i mean i've seen some videos of, of groups playing outside and having these flawless recordings and they're playing it off as that they're live and i'm like you would hear tra- they're on a street corner you would hear cars going by you would hear you know wind you it's not it's very imperfect outside you can't control those kind of a thing you know outside it's like it's it's such a crazy there's just so many d- variables and, and so many like margins like such a large margin of error out there you know yeah and, I don't and i'm think always you can, like you can't edit the, that background noise out can you I mean, I'd imagine you could EQ it to a degree, but it's at the be same so time, yeah. or, or, you know, like a, a white noise or a pink noise removal kind of thing or, or anything like that. But at the same time, it's, it's like a hiss suppression. It's just inconsistent outside. So when there's a lot of groups passing off as live, you know, I mean, there's a reason we're called the studio series. You know, we're not the live studio series because we're not doing it live in a group. We're doing it a lot of times in pieces, you know, yeah. it's, it's, not everyone is playing together all the time just because of scheduling or or what have you so at least we're honest about it you know and it's it's a studio recording it's not a live recording kind of thing um which people are under understanding of completely like that you know but it's it's such an interesting kind of thing when you get into studio stuff because there are so many cool tricks that you can do um just like just like the film industry it's movie magic you know, where you can cover up mistakes or if you have not the best technology or whatever, you can make it work regardless. Like we didn't have great microphones that we worked with originally. You know, we still have lower end microphones, but you put reverb on that bad boy, you change the room size on that thing, you EQ it to make it sound a little warmer. I mean, you put a slap back on it, make it sound old school. You've got a good sounding recording, you know, and then once we even get into the mastering side of it, I mean, that's, you know, you and I are like intense with that kind of stuff where it just gets to, you know, the really nuts and bolts of it because mixing, EQing and panning for me are some of the most important things in a studio. I kind of hate that we got into recording because now when I listen to music, I don't necessarily listen for the musical value. I listen for the recording aspect, especially it's a, it's a freaking curse because I'll be in the car and I'll be like, how is this panned right now? How many guitars are they using? Where's the solo coming in the mix? Oh, that's interesting. The drums are on that side. That's weird. Or, oh, the bass is up top and then it changes. And it's just like, it's it's just crazy shit. Um, but it's the art. That is the absolute art, like the artisan part of it. And for me, panning is such a big, big thing. And that changes your mix. Because when I originally started doing recording stuff when I was younger, everything was centered you know, it didn't, it wasn't panned. It wasn't stereo. It was, everything was centered. And then you really open it up and you start figuring out where things are going to be in your mix. And it's like, oh, this changes everything. That goes from having a good recording to a, to a great recording. Yeah. And that I think is such an important part that people overlook, you know, so many times. I mean, you got, you know, regardless of what your equipment is or how much it costs, you need to know how to use it. And then also you need to know how to use the actual 
program or the idea of recording, like the EQing, the mixing, the panning. It's it's so important. It's it's, I mean, it's a monster with a with a million legs. I mean, that's really what it is. If that yeah. even makes any sense. Oh, uh, <laughs> I have, yeah, I'm with you. Or a million heads. I don't know, a million legs or a million heads. I don't know. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Just um, say what I said better. They like that, Will. Oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, what's your thoughts on, you know, when you, when you get into the, um, you know, the, the EQs and all the added, you know, um, effects? You know, I, I've seen people put a thousand things on a vocal track, but does it really need that? <laughs> no, I... With everything else in the arts, for the most part, I always like to have a less is more attitude. You have to. You really, really, truly have to have a less is more attitude. Um, again, you shouldn't have to put all that stuff on it if you already have a good recording straight out of the board or straight out of the mic. You shouldn't have to put all that nonsense on there. I mean, granted, there's the artistic you know, kind of license where it's like, oh, I want to make it sound like we're underwater. I want to do the auto-tune or anything like that. Yeah, That's something, cool something harsh and, you know you know purpose yeah like yeah which whichever but it's like if you just want to have a good natural sound and just really somewhat take the which you already have pre-recorded and just embellish it or just kind of make it you know have a little more dimension that's that's such a big part of it so that's like what we'll do is when i'll do my vocals um i have my mic i'm behind a vocal shield and um i'll eq it so i'll make it sound a little bit warmer because the microphones are usually very flat are very dry sounding so which is great because it's it's like with a camera where you have a very flat looking dull picture so then you can color correct it better it's the same kind of thing you're just bringing out and embellishing more so what's already there so you're not really so much adding to it you're just defining it better if that makes any sense at all i guess um but that's like my favorite thing to do it's you know you eq it a little bit you put some reverb on it so it sounds very natural and has a now a warm kind of feel to it and obviously i edit to the song that and at, that we're recording so it's like oh i might want to put a little bit more oomph on the lower you know bottom end on this one just because of the nature of the song or the feel it's a little darker sounding or something like that um but i mean you know you and i have both heard so many tracks of things where we've even said it's like okay this is just a little too much they didn't have to do that you know i mean i know you All and the i time yeah God, we'll be riding in each other's car and we'll see whatever CD because I we still use CDs because we're old. Um, and we'll start going through liner notes and looking at stuff and we'll start seeing whoever the engineers were for stuff. And it's like, oh man, this is like a bit too much. But it's again, it's an art. So it's not right or wrong. It's just, you know, it's you have to mix to the song. And that's, I think, the biggest, biggest thing. Yeah, I I that's really well said and I and I I know we have very very similar taste and and we mix you know pretty much very similar to the same um, definitely, it's, definitely. it's it, you know it's very subtle keep it simple um you well know, that was like when we when we originally started doing stuff we were new to it we, and we were looking at every little detail and every little setting and everything that we had to do and then we realized our recordings weren't as good as they originally were and we were like let's just strip that back and just start at square one exactly. and keep it simple and I think it changed it for the better and you know yeah because we you can get comfortable with it yeah you can get crazy with it and if you go online and you know you type in you know go on YouTube and look at some of these videos I mean it is so overwhelming you know the amount of stuff that people 
do and mixing and editing and with all the don't even started on all the plugins that you know boring, and all yeah. the midi packs and it's like i mean it's personal preference but it's of course I, i'm not of trying course. to you know for me i want it you know i'm trying to bring out you know the best parts of the instrument i'm trying to make mm-hmm. it sound human i want it to sound exactly like the drums i'm hearing and playing in this room are going to sound like you know yeah. um so we keep it very simple and you know basically my point here is you know try not to get overwhelmed because it is overwhelming and i've been down that good, rabbit good hole point. and you know what you end up just going in this circle and you don't get anywhere and like charles said it's like we we went backwards uh we started really totally. hating our not mixes. on purpose though not on no. purpose you know and it was we thought we were going to be better we're putting more stuff on oh look i found this trick and it's like it doesn't sound good yeah. i still like the recording it's, we did day one when we didn't know what we were doing yeah and now it's like yeah we weren't overthinking it and it's to keep it simple stupid because it's like yeah you went from a great recording and now it just sounds like a robot taking a dump and it's like great i don't even know what that would sound like what would a robot taking a dump sound like this is implying that he has digestive tract and intestines it's probably would be hard stool like clanky like yeah nuts and bolts exactly yeah that's for another time we're going to talk about that when we're off (laughs) yeah Uh, but i mean that's I think what you you said summarizes for Melanie everything that we really talk about. It's keep it simple. And that's going to give you the best results. That's whether we're talking about what, whatever, you know, hardware you use, your microphones, your things like that. There's simple options. They don't have to be a billion, jillion dollars, you know, Um, playing alone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The room that you're in can be simple. It doesn't have to be crazy. Um, if even if you're doing like any attributes in the room, like soundproofing panels, they don't have to be big, heavy duty, expensive ones. You can put quilts on the walls. We've done that before. We made a makeshift vocal booth DIY. With, with, yeah, yeah. We with a quilt with a four dollar Harbor Freight quilt, and we hanged it on a a, a microphone boom stand. Still and like have that, them, Still use them. They're great. We've recorded horns into stuff like that, and I mean. You know, does it look like a crack dungeon? Yeah, a little bit. But you know what they say? It's not a crack house, William. It's a crack home. And that matters more. Ooh, that's, yeah, that's touching. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, but really, and even your mixing and your panning, you can just keep it simple. I think, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things with recording, it is an art. And you'll learn things and pick up things, and you'll have that tool belt, and you'll add more tools to it. But I think the problem I had in the beginning was, I would just, when I saw someone else having more ideas about studio, I would throw out all of my pre-existing tools and take their tools onto my belt, which I should have just maybe just put a couple extra in there. I shouldn't have just kind of cleaned house and went from there. It's just that idea of keeping it simple is just so, so important. And I think you put that very, very well in every aspect of home recording is just keep it simple. You don't have to go to incredible extremes to get a good final product. Amen. That's that's what I would like to say. That Go ahead, beautiful. Will. Top it. Do it. Watch what happens. <laughs> I'll be fired. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no. You you always have good little final closing thoughts. I can't take your thunder. I just well, tried, but you know. You know. In closing, <laughs> <laughs> love this topic because I love recording. It's my favorite, and uh, I really enjoy it. And don't be afraid to get into it. Um, you know, we were thrown in the deep end. It worked out just we fine. We didn't have a choice. <laughs> yeah. So 
you know, get whatever equipment you can afford, um, put it in whatever room you have available. Just make sure, you know, that you're prepared, you know, whoever your recording's prepared and, um, you know, make sure everything sounds good before you hit record and keep it simple. Like Charles said, I mean, don't let it, like I said, it's overwhelming industry. There's a ton of information online, but don't let it deter you from, you know, getting started in recording. It's just a matter of just doing it, you know, messing around in the software, figuring it out. And most importantly, like just trust your ears, really train your ears. You know what, you know, you're hoping it's going to sound like and, you know, just trust your ears and don't worry about throwing that, you know, plug in or trying to EQ and, you know, just if it sounds good to you, leave it. Don't touch it. Don't you yep. touch that button. Don't you get your hand away, you bastard. Yeah, don't be afraid. Get started. Now's the time. You're home. You're quarantined. Do it. Yeah, you have you have better things to be afraid of, like spiders and ghosts and, uh, and dying alone. <laughs> <laughs> what, us? <laughs> no, God, no. But anyway, I think that was perfect, Will. So, Melanie, hopefully we answered um, your question or provided some some insight on kind of what to do with a hilarious story about Wawa being the best convenience store and they're a little bit spicy mac and cheese. Um, it did. It burned. It burned. It still burns. Still airing oh out boy. that garage. Still too. PTSD. But we would love to thank you guys again for joining us and beating off with us and listening to us beat off this week on the Drop the Beat podcast. Again, if you would like to submit a question for us to answer in a long format style, go to www.charleslarita.com slash podcast. And I mean, you know, we were just loving these questions you guys are sending in. I think this is a blast. This was our 10th episode. I think I'm looking forward to our 20th episode. This is going to be good. We're doing it, man. We Boy, are doing, doing it. it. It's flying. We're, it's we're flying by. God, God, God damn it. So once again... This has been the Drop the Beat Podcast. My name is Charles Larita. And my name is Will Sarver. <laughs> I love this suspense. I had to, I had a that was I had to follow you. Dude, I'm gonna be real. I didn't know what you were gonna say <laughs> at the end of that. I was like, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> oh my god. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> yeah, we're done. We quit. Um, I'm out of here. So thank you guys so much. We'll, we will see you guys next time. Ciao. See you.